We share now with God's good word as we read from the book of Genesis, chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Will you read with me? Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as they migrated from the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we shall be scattered abroad on the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which mortals had built. And the Lord said, Look, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language there, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the, all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, happy birthday, church. Today we celebrate Pentecost. Pentecost is the day in which we celebrate the sending of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples. That those moments in which the disciples gathered in the upper room and and the Holy Spirit came upon them and, and ignited the mission of the church. That this is the day that we celebrate Pentecost. I want to take a point of personal privilege to to share with you my excitement to be able to share in this day with you again. Uh, Today marks exactly a year that I have been sharing in with you in the ministry of God and been able to worship with you as well. And um, it's very exciting to be here. And so I want to thank you and and Pastor Mark and Chantel as well for this awesome privilege that I have to get sharing with you in God's good word. Uh, Today we celebrate Pentecost. and, 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 And I want to talk a little bit about words. Words are powerful things. That we have the ability to speak. We have the ability to share these words, and, and, and they're powerful. Maybe you've been in the audience when you've heard just, just a powerful speech that's just, that's just empowered you to action. You just wanted to leave right from that place and go do something about what that person has said. Words have the ability to share love with one another. That if you've ever been in a broken place where you just needed the love and support of, of another person to know somebody out there was thinking of you, that, that somebody out there was for you, and then, and then somebody did that who shared words with you, who said simply that they loved you or, or, or that they wanted good for you or that they were willing to do anything to help you. If somebody has shared those words with you, you know that those words are powerful, that, that words have the power in, in a story to, to draw us to emotion. Whether that's to tears or to laughter, words are these powerful things that we've been given. But many times, we don't use words the way they were meant to be used. Many times, we don't use words the way they were meant to be used. If you've ever gone to an exotic location, if you've ever seen something amazing, right? If you've ever seen like, like a meteor shower or, or Niagara Falls or, or something like that, whenever you came back from that event and your friends said, how was it? And, and, and all you could do would just go, uh, I, 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 I can't say, right? I mean, there just aren't enough words to explain it. There aren't any words. There's just, there's just nothing there. 
many times we don't use words the way they were meant to be used. I don't know if you've ever been in those points whenever you've been caught off guard and, and, and asked to explain something and, and, and you just can't bring up the words to do it. If you've ever been, been in, a, in a heated discussion with a loved one and maybe you've said something that, that you immediately wished you could just take back. Have you ever had those moments and... and, and in which you've been caught in the moment and, and, and you've said something and, and you just wish that you could just go back, that, that oh, I, I, just, I didn't mean that or I didn't want to say it in that way. And in those moments, you just want to take it back because you knew that you used words in the way they weren't meant to be used. This is, is what we do. We use words in this way. And the Bible calls this babble. The Bible calls this gibberish. The Bible calls this nothingness. Sometimes we use words and, and, and just nothing comes out. Sometimes we use words and it ends up just like this. Amen, right? And there's like nothing I can say after that. I probably should wait that for the end, but that's what it sounds like sometimes when we talk. One of my, one of my daughter, I have a daughter, Anna, who, who's two years old, and, and she goes through these phases, right, where she has favorite movies that she wants to watch over and over and over again. Maybe you've had those similar movies, those movies that you tried to hide, hoping that she won't pick them out. And, 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 and right now, one of Anna's favorite movies is, is The Wizard of Oz. Right, the Wizard of Oz, and there's this awesome scene in, in the Wizard of Oz where um, where Dorothy meets the Scarecrow, right? It, right, and the Scarecrow just wants a brain. Uh, that, that, that's all he wants, and he and he sings a song about it, and, and and Dorothy gets really puzzled in the middle of it, and she stops him in, in the middle of this song, and she says, "Wait, how how can you talk if you don't have a brain?" And he sits there and thinks about it for a little bit, and and he says, "Well, I don't know," but he says, "Sometimes people without any brains do a lot of talking." There's prophetic words in the scarecrow, right? I mean, sometimes people without a lot of... This is what we all do. We, we all speak without thinking. We all do this. That we just use words in just the wrong way. But, but our use of words in this way, it, it's not just that we use words, words in the wrong way. We, we do this with all things. We are humans. We're fallible. Right? And, and however much we want to pretend that we can do things perfectly, however much we want to pretend like, like we can do all things at any time, however much we want to pretend that, we just can't. That's a lie. And, and we lie to ourselves and we lie to others hoping that they'll believe these things. But so many times we fail. And when we fail, we, we, we call this babble. We call this babble. This is a story that we read out of the book of Genesis. It's this interesting story about why it is that we have different languages. Um, when, when I went to seminary, they, they taught me that, that these kinds of stories are called etymologies. Uh, E-T-Y-M-O-L-O-G-Y, etymology, right? And it's the story explaining why things are the way they are. 
This story um, is more descriptive than it is prescriptive. Right? This is a story written by people who are in the ancient Near East, who are in ancient times trying to explain why it was that people spoke different languages. And, and, and this was the story that they told around campfires. This was the story they told to their children whenever they asked these types of questions. This was the story. And, and, and so they begin it in this way. And they say, at one point, people all around the world had one language. People all around the world had one language. Now, now at first hearing, that can sound pretty cool, right? To think, oh man, everybody had just one language. That everybody must have just been uniform, right? Everybody must have just been the same. That everybody must, you know, there wouldn't be any problems in communicating and just everybody had one language. But I think as we read this story, we should be clear that, that there is a difference between uniformity and unity. There's a difference between uniformity and unity. That as Christians, we are called to strive for unity, not just uniformity. That, that many times when we set out on the Christian walk, whenever maybe we look for a church or we look for a community, we think that everybody has to be uniform, right? Everybody just has to look the same way that I look. Everybody has to act the same way that I act. And, and, and if I want to fit in, this better be the way it is. But Christ says, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be, that we can have unity. We can disagree on certain things. That's going to be okay. But in fact, what we're called to have is unity, that, that when, when the early writers described the world in the way it wasn't supposed to be, they, they said that everybody had one language, that even when they had one language, it wasn't perfect. So these ancient writers described this world, and they said everybody had one language. And at one point, once somebody spoke up and said, let us build a city, and let us build a tower with its top in the heavens, and then we will make our name great. And then we will make our name great. In this time, in this age, in the ancient Near East, if you were a king or if you were a ruler, you wanted everybody to remember your name. You wanted everybody to call back on the time that so-and-so reigned. This time, whenever everything was right in the world, whenever that guy did it. And so if you were going to make your name great, you were going to build a big thing, right? You were, you were going to build something. It didn't even matter what it was. It didn't even matter if it was useful or not. You were going to build something big. And then nobody could forget your name because it would be this giant structure in the middle of a town. And they'd say, oh, that was that guy. And it didn't matter how long it took to build or how many slaves had to die to build this thing. This is what you were going to do. And so this is what this group of people set out to do. To build a tower, to build a city and make their name great. In truth, they wanted to be immortal. They wanted to be God. What we read throughout Genesis and really throughout the Bible, or when people fail, they try to be God. They, they try to be God. What do we read in the creation story of Adam and Eve that, that when they fail, when they're placed in the garden and, and God tells them that there's this tree in, in, in the middle of the garden and it's the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and don't eat of that fruit. And so when the serpent tricks them into eating, he tells them that they will be like God, and they eat. 
that when the first son is born, when, when Cain is born and, and, he's in, and then his younger brother comes along, Abel, that, that Cain chooses to be God and takes Abel's life, that he chooses to do the very thing that God does. He took his life, that what we see throughout the Bible and throughout our lives is that we try to be God. We try to be God. We try to be perfect. We, we try to be right all of the time. We try to know everything we can know. We try to control everything about our lives. We try to be God. And we fail. So God comes down on earth and decides to look at this city. The Bible says that God came down to see this city that mortals had built. Right? Has your kid ever brought you a gift? Again, I have, I have a two-year-old daughter, and, and uh, my daughter loves to pick flowers, um, except what she calls flowers are, are actually weeds. Um, I, I'd like to not tell you how many weeds I have in my backyard right now, but she loves to go out there and pick up all of these dandelions, right? And, and she goes out and picks up all of them, and, and she brings them to me as, as a gift. And it's so sweet and adorable, and it's, it's, just, it's just awesome to see her do this thing. Uh, you know, but, but in the end, they're dandelions, right? I mean, it's just, it's just dandelions. And I wonder if when God came down to see this city, it was just dandelions, right? Oh, look what these mortals have done. Look at this city they've built. They think they will make their name great. So when God comes down to see this city, he, he, he then declares to, that that now when they build this city, they will think that anything they set their minds to, they can accomplish. Right? He thinks now that, that these humans, they will think they're immortal. That they will think they've arrived. They will think they are done whenever they've built this tower with this top in the heaven. That they will think that, that anything they want, they can have. God confuses their language, not just to be a mean, vindictive God. God confuses their language so that they will know of their dependence upon God. That they will not depend upon the, their own works of their own hands. They won't just depend on what they themselves can do. That they will depend on God himself. So God confuses their language. He scatters them across the face of the earth. And from then on, humans have had different language. From then on, humans have babbled. Right? We've used words the way they're not meant to be used. Now, to be fair, we, we've done pretty well, and, and, and we did pretty well. I mean, I mean you know, there were, there were glimpses of hope in those words, right? Every once in a while, somebody would speak up, and they'd go, oh, yeah, I can, I can find some truth in that. And, and every once in a while, a prophet would arrive, and, and, and he would say something that really had some meaning to it and really had some truth in it. And, and, but then something happened. Something happened, and, and that was the story of Pentecost. We read about the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples are gathered in the upper room. Now, just a little bit of backstory. That, that Jesus came and, 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 and he lived and taught. And in his ministry, most scholars think, took about three years. And, and Jesus gathered his disciples with them and, 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 and lived with them for three years. That these were his closest friends. And he did ministry with them. And, and, and these disciples inevitably saw him crucified. They saw him crucified. And, and as they watched Christ on that cross, as they saw him breathe his last breath, all of their hope that Christ had talked about died with him. 
That, that all of their hope that things might be different. All of their hope that, that things might change. That, that, that there might be some glimmer of just something else. All of that hope died. And the disciples were devastated. They were devastated. And what they found was three days later, Christ rose again. Christ came out of the grave that he conquered even death itself. And he came back to the disciples. And, and now all of that hope they had inside them multiplied. All of that hope inside the multiplied, and I imagine that in that moment when they first saw Christ, they, they thought that, that he might stay, right? That, that, that when, he was, when he was risen, they would say, oh, good, okay, now you're back. Now let's go do all those things that we were supposed to do, right? Let's go do all of that ministry that you talked about us doing out into the ends of the earth. Let's go do all of that. And, and Jesus said, no, that he was ascending to be with his Father in heaven, and, and, and I imagine just their utter disappointment. And just, oh, but Jesus, it would be so much easier if you stayed. Jesus, if, if, if you just hung around for just a little bit longer, things would be a lot better. Jesus, just, just hang around for a little while, please, Jesus. And he says, no, I, I must be with my Father in heaven, but, but I will send you one who will come after me that will be known as the Comforter that will be known as your advocate. And Jesus ascended into heaven. We read about it in John chapter 15. And then the disciples, I imagine, were once more devastated. And so they gathered in this upper room. They gathered in the same room in which they shared in the Last Supper with Christ. That they didn't know what to do. They had gone through so many range of emotions. They, they, they simply had to regroup and just figure out where to go next. And then the Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came, the Bible says, like a rush of a violent wind. It came like a rush of a violent wind into the room in which they gathered and, and, and divided tongues as a fire appeared above all of their heads. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability and, and all of them started speaking, and, and, and in this moment, they're in Jerusalem. They're in Jerusalem getting ready to celebrate a great holy day in the life of the Jewish people, and so all these people all around the world are gathered, and, and, and everybody hears their own language being spoken. No matter where they're from, everybody hears their language, and so this great crowd around them gathers. This great crowd, and they say, how is this happening? How do we hear all of these people speaking, yet we hear them in our own language? Some people tried to discredit them. Some people tried to, to say that they were just drunk. That's what it was. Yet Peter stands up and he gives this great sermon in Acts chapter 2. He gives a great sermon. We read this in, in Acts chapter 2. Peter says this, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above and, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. 
Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That in this moment, when the disciples begin to speak in other languages, when they speak out and the entire crowd gathers around them, when they ask what is happening, and Peter stands up and declares what is happening, Jesus was crucified 53 days earlier for the very things that Peter was speaking. That, that Christ was crucified for, for the very things of which the disciples were doing. That, that when Jesus said he was sending a comforter, I don't think this is what the disciples thought of. Right? They thought it, that there, would, there would be much more comfort in these words. Yet, yet what we find is the Holy Spirit inspiring people to do something dangerous. The Holy Spirit inspiring people to actually preach the word of God. To preach grace and hope and love. That what we find in the book of Acts chapter 2, when all the disciples began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability, we find this, this babble, this gibberish, this way we use words that is broken, all of that was made right, was made perfect at the moment of Pentecost. That what we find is that our words were given purpose. That our words are perfected when we give glory to God. That's the very reason why our bodies, our very lives were created, were to give glory to God. And each and every time we do that, people everywhere can understand. That when you speak grace to another person, when you speak love to another person, it doesn't matter what language they speak. It doesn't matter where they are from. They can hear you in their own language because you are speaking love, grace, and hope. That what we find is that when we listen for the Holy Spirit, when we feel the Holy Spirit calling us to, to preach this kind of love, to, to preach this kind of grace, when we, when we feel that come upon us, the entire world might know of the love of Jesus Christ. That those words, those words have the power to give life. In the Old Testament, we read of a prophet named Ezekiel. Ezekiel lived in a, in a tough time when the nation of Israel, the nation of the Jewish people, was almost eradicated. That, that when you walked around Ezekiel's time and, and you said, you, you heard of, of God, do you, do you know uh, of the God of Israel? They would say, who? What? And anybody who had heard of the God of Israel would say, oh, that, that, that thing is dead. Oh, oh, that thing is gone. They would say that that faith is useless. And it is in this time, it is in this place, that Ezekiel the prophet is called to preach. It is in this time and day and age that Ezekiel speaks these words out of, his, out of the, the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. Uh, we read of a vision that Ezekiel has. And he says these words. The Lord's power came over me, and, and while I was in the Lord's spirit, he led me out and set me down in the middle of a certain valley. It was full of bones. He led me through them all around, and, and, and I saw that there were a great many of them on the valley floor, and they were very dry. He asked me, human one, can these bones live again? 
I said, Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the Lord's word. The Lord God proclaims to these bones, I'm about to put breath in you and you will live again. I will put sinews on you and and place flesh on you and cover you with skin. When I put breath in you and you come to life, you will know that I am the Lord. I prophesied just as the Lord commanded, and there was a great noise as I was prophesying. Then a great quaking, and the bones came together bone by bone. When I looked, suddenly there were sinews on them. The flesh appeared, and then they were covered over with skin. But there was still no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, human one. Say to the breath, the Lord proclaims, come from the four winds, breath. Breathe into these bodies and let them live. I prophesied just as he commanded me. When the breath entered them, they came to life and stood on their feet. An extraordinarily large company. When we listen for the Holy Spirit, We have the power to speak life. Now this doesn't mean that we will speak perfectly every time. This doesn't mean that we won't have those moments where where words just don't come to mind. This, This doesn't mean that we won't have those moments where we say things that we regret, that we say things we wish we could take back. But there will be other times. There will be times that the Holy Spirit will call upon us to preach life into death. That the Holy Spirit will call us to look out over a great valley of dry bones. A great valley of people who are broken. Our brothers and sisters who are suffering in a great so many ways. Our brothers and sisters who are surrounded by death. Who are surrounded by addiction who are surrounded by poverty or hunger, our brothers and sisters who, who, who are surrounded by, by debt or, or family issues, our, our brothers and sisters who are in all rights and purposes dead, and the Holy Spirit will come upon us and will say, speak life. Prophesy. Breathe on them the Holy Spirit. And it is in those moments that our words will be made perfect, not because of what we say or what we do, but because of the activity of the Holy Spirit. May each and every one of us listen for that call of the Holy Spirit into our lives, that we might preach life our brothers and sisters, no matter what language, no matter where they're from or who they are, that we would preach life. Amen.